Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 103 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. Today's guest is Erin, Emily's mom, or Emmy, as she used to call her. Erin wrote to me a few weeks ago, and her story really just tugged at my heartstrings. Emily was a special, awesome, amazing girl, but she had challenges, and those challenges led to bullying. And that bullying didn't even stop with her death. So I know that this community will welcome Erin and welcome Emily and give her all the love that her amazing daughter deserves. I hope it also teaches us as listeners a little bit more about kindness to other people and helping our children learn that kindness from us and spread it to other people. Remember that in addition to listening to the podcast on your favorite podcast player, you can also watch the video on my Always Andy's Mom YouTube channel. We also post these videos to Facebook and Instagram. So make sure to follow my Facebook page or Instagram at Always Andy's Mom. Also leaving ratings and reviews on iTunes or other platforms can help spread the message even more. So please leave a rating. And today, enjoy Emmy's mom. Erin, I just want to thank you and welcome you to the Always Andy's Mom podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a, an honor to meet you. You've done some great work here and I, you know, I've listened to almost all of them now um, in the past <laughs> oh. <laughs> a few months and they get me through my days sometimes. <laughs> oh, good. Well, today is an extra special day for you that you just told me. So I want you to start and just tell the audience what today is. Today is Emmy's 18th birthday. So yeah. her first birthday in heaven. Yeah. We are, we are starting it by, um, we created a pay it forward campaign that we launched today. So, you know, locally in our neighborhood. So. Oh, very good. Yeah. So today, as of this recording, it's August 3rd. So I was telling her I was having a bad day too, because I was like, uh, it was three years ago today. We had our last family picture and I just had been crying all morning. And then she comes on and tells me that. And so then we both start crying again. So. (laughs) I apologize. There might be a fair amount of tears in right. this one because we're both <laughs> a little emotional, in not the best emotional state, <laughs> but it is what it is. It is what it is. So, so why don't you start out by just telling us all about Emmy? She was a special kid from the time she was born. She was born on 8303 at 308 in the afternoon. She was oh my gosh. eight pounds, three ounces. In labor room 308. Are you kidding me? 
So oh my word. Everyone in the hospital wanted to on the labor and delivery floor anyway, wanted to come and see the eight three baby. Yes. So she, every all of her numbers matched up. It was crazy. That is so crazy. Yeah. Did you make yeah. the local newspaper? Because you totally should have. <laughs> no, right. no, I didn't. Not then, but <laughs> I you know what? I just I was like, oh, these numbers are that's so crazy. All these numbers. So we knew she was gonna be special <laughs> from <Yeah>. the get-go. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But she was a great kid and she was a happy baby. She was good and she loved people and growing up, she she did as she got to be in a toddler, she hit the terrible twos and I don't think she ever got out of them. <laughs> <laughs> she had a huge personality. You knew she was in that room if she was there. Yeah. She walked into a room and she could light it up with her smile, but if she was not happy, you knew that too. <laughs> she could dork yeah. in the room really quick too. <laughs> yeah. I always said that about Andy. His highs were really high and his lows were really low. Right. That was Miami. I always said that kind of what drove Eric crazy, my husband crazy, because my husband is just a real even keeled kind of guy. He doesn't right. get too excited and he doesn't get too upset ever. And Andy was just this range of emotions and all over. Yeah. They they would struggle a bit. Like riding a roller coaster with him. <laughs> Yeah. 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 My husband didn't like being on the roller coaster. <laughs> right. So she was different as she grew, as she got older. I started to notice that, like you said, her highs were really high and her lows were really low, but abnormally yeah. so. So very early on, by the time she was five, we had her evaluated by a neurologist and she was diagnosed with ADHD. Mm -hmm. Andy had that too. So... <laughs> Yeah, the ADHD, right? the ADHD medicines weren't quite working. So we further went on to a psychiatrist and then she was diagnosed by the time she was seven, mood disorder, not otherwise okay. specified, not NOS, not, not otherwise specified. So because mm -hmm. they try not to label that, I guess that young. Yeah. But she was, she loved animals and she, any animal, it didn't matter whether it was had legs or scales or fur. She loved anything. <laughs> wow. We had um, a small creek by our house and every day she would wake up, can we go frog catching today? Please, can we go frog catching today? And I'd be like, Em, we got to give the frogs a rest. They have to eventually procreate. <laughs> we have to give it, let them catch up to how many you've caught. <laughs> oh. She just loved animals. We had a we have a lake house up in near Lake George in New York, and mm -hmm. we go there every summer. And she up there, I'm like, she definitely changed the ecosystem because yeah. there was, I mean, buckets buckets would line our the front of the deck with salamanders and frogs and any tadpoles and fish, anything she could catch and stick in a in a bucket and call it her pet. She was all about yeah. it. <laughs> oh. But she was a great kid. By the time she was nine, she was diagnosed as bipolar. That's when she had her first, mm -hmm. like, real manic episode. Uh, so from the time from, from nine to 17, she had been hospitalized numerous times. Okay. You know, for medication adjustments, when she was 11, I actually had to put her into a residential home for about nine months Wow! because I guess it was, I think it had a lot to do with her hormones and 
mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. she could not regulate her moods to, to begin with. And then we threw the hormones in and she was completely yeah. out of control. Yeah. I mean, you think about it. Hormones drive all teenagers crazy, it right? Drives That's me crazy. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So if someone is just kind of just getting those going through the system for the very first time. Wow, that's a lot. It was. It was a lot for her. But you know what? She learned so much while she was there and she learned coping skills and and how things, how what worked for her, you know, and how to get Mm -hmm. through things. She was also, she was a special ed student, so she had severe dyslexia. Mm -hmm. So this kid was layered with layer upon layer upon layer of issues that just made things hard for her. Yeah. Life was just harder. Yeah. It was Uh just, it was just hard for her. And, Uh um, but she always had a smile, always had a smile on her face. Yeah. She just was a beautiful soul. Yeah. She had trouble connecting with her peers. Um, so she didn't Mm -hmm. have many, very many friends. She got picked on a lot in school, Mm -hmm. a lot of bull, you know, a lot of bullying went on. I could get that too. And he was easy to pick on too because he, he always had a smile on his face too and he was so quick to forgive. Mm-hmm. That was Emily. You know, that people would wrong him and he would just be quick to forgive. And so it made his classmates, I think, feel like it was sort of okay, okay. exactly to pick on Andy because he was never going to pick back. Exactly. Really. And he would have, he would forgive you in 10 minutes. And I- so. Yeah, it it always frustrated me because he would come home and, you know, be like, oh, Jack's a great kid. And I'd be thinking in my head, Jack is not a great kid. Jack's a jerk to you. Jack's always a jerk to you. Just because Jack decided to be nice for five minutes today does not mean that suddenly he's a great kid. But, you know, I didn't want to tell him that. It just inwardly frustrated me because I knew that tomorrow Jack wouldn't be nice and there would be tears. So, right. I, it's just very easy to pick on kids that I think are so emotional and can, right. in general, their baseline be just kind of higher. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. She was, she was a target, you know, because yeah. she was, you know, she would react and then she'd forgive. And if you were willing to be her friend again, she was willing to be your friend again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. So she was picked on a lot, which was difficult for her. But as she got older, she was, um, she just struggled more with, you know, making, you know, so she would connect with any adult. So it seemed that as she got older, she knew that it, she gravitated towards adults. Yeah. It was because she just knew peers were not nice to her. So she just kind of left them in, in the dust and said, you know what, I'm going to go to the adults who I know I can get good, you know, positive attention from. And she used to go because she loved animals. She would go for walks. We live in a small neighborhood, but there's literally a, it's a loop around Mm -hmm. a few streets in the middle. And so we call it the Kendall loop. And so she would walk that Kendall loop every day when she put those beats headphones on and she put her music on and she'd go for a walk. And Everybody knew who the girl with the Beats headphones who walked the candle loop was. They may not have known her name. All of their dogs knew who she was, you know, because she would stop and she would pet anybody who was walking the, you know, around the loop too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if she saw a stray dog, she'd pick it up and she'd be like, oh, I think it belongs to this house. And she'd go knock on doors to find out who the owner was if the dog was outside by itself. So she just had a huge heart. She had a huge heart. What a sweet girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She was a good kid. She was a yeah. 
a blessing, definitely a blessing to me. I think she taught me more in her 17 years than I ever could have taught her. Yeah. So. Why don't you go on and talk about what happened to Emmy then? So as I said, Emily struggled with mental health. She was bipolar. So she had had quite a, probably about six or seven hospitalizations from the time she was 10 to 17. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Her last hospitalization was right before the pandemic shut down. Mm-hmm. So she had actually had one suicide attempt before she died. She, so it was in December of 2019. Mm-hmm. She was she came home with a puppy that she paid $1,500 for out of her own money. And oh unannounced, just showed up with a golden retriever puppy. <laughs> and oh, my. Yes. Oh, my. <laughs> so I need to return it. <laughs> and, you yeah. know, I'm. Not that I'm against puppies, but we have two dogs already. And I was like, we have two small dogs. And it just was, and I just had to teach her. You can't just on a whim do things like that. Yeah, yeah. Have to get a plan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we, I made her return it. And when I, when I told her that we were going to return it, she had taken some pills and, you know, she ended up just throwing it all up and, but we got her help and she went into the hospital for a week. Um, but when she came out, she was she was doing okay. She was in a program where she did it was like a partial hospitalization program. So she mm-hmm. would go to school for part of the day and she'd go to this program for her part of the day. And she was doing okay. And then there was um, another child who was in her school who realized that Emily was an easy target. Yeah. She um, was also struggling mentally and was in that same program with Emily. Okay. And when she was in the program with her, this girl, would, they were both in the same school and in the same program. So that apparently is not a good mix. So yeah. in school, this girl was telling her friends about things that Emily was disclosing oh, in the no. mental health. Oh, no. You know, in the group therapy. Yeah. And it just... It was, you know, she struggled with, she's like, mom, I, you know, she's telling the other kids what I'm saying, um, you know, so which made her pull back in therapy and, and I was trying to get involved and I'm like, well, this is what's happening. And everyone's like, oh, well, that girl says she's not doing that. I'm like, of course she's going to say she's not doing that. Right. You know, it had gotten to the point where this girl stood up in the lunchroom and, you know, told all her friends, like, there's the girl, you know, she said other words, but there's the girl that I was that I told you about and they all started laughing oh, and no. she ran out of the cafeteria and she was like the kid who never went to the cafeteria anyway. She always went to a trusted teacher's room yeah. for, for lunch, but she would go pick up her lunch and go. And so she left, she went to the bathroom. She called me, she said, mom, I, I can't do today. I need you to come get me. So I went and I picked her up. When we got home, we were talking about it. And she says, you know, mom, I, I need help with this one. I can't do, I can't, I can't handle this one on my own. I think I need to go back to the hospital. Yeah. I said, oh, okay. And, you know, so proud of her that she could, was advocating for herself and knew what she needed to keep herself safe. And we went back to the hospital. It always takes like 30 hours in the emergency room by the time they medically clear her and they find her a bed and. So got her settled and I literally left her there, gave her a big hug, walked out of the hospital and 
got in my car and on my as I'm driving home, I get a phone call. We're shutting down for the pandemic, for COVID-19. There's, we're not allowed. There's no visitors at all. And I was like, oh my oh, just drop my kid off. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, yeah. sort of, so I was devastated that how, you know, I'm, you know, at least when I had other hospitalizations, I was there every day visiting her. Sure. I got a phone call that night when I got home from Emily, hysterically crying, saying, mom, I can't do this without you. You are my person and I don't know how to get through this without you. I, you have to come get me. And I was like, Em, I can't. You're, you're there. You know, we signed the paperwork. You're there to get the help that you need. And yeah. she says, I know, but I can't do it without you. And I said, Em, you can do, you can. I'm here and you can call me anytime. She's like, they only yeah. let me, they'll only let me call you once a day. I'm like, then we will talk once a day. I promise you, you will get through this. This week will go quick. So she got through that week, came out, went back into uh, another partial hospitalization program, but it was, everything was virtual at this Zoom point. Zoom or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She finished that out. She graduated from that in July. Her 17th birthday was in August. Uh, she ended up getting her driver's license on her second try. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she had gotten a job at Target, and she was doing pretty good for a while. Yeah. You know, she's still, you know, I we were still tweaking her meds because you know there was times where she was like, oh, I'm having a lot of. She would have ticks from the medications that she was on, mm-hmm. so we were trying to like come down off one, off Giadon, and go back, go up on Capilita just to see if it changed the. I guess the chemistry a little bit so that she wasn't having the reaction of the ticks to the medication. Mm-hmm. You know, she was, we were still doing weekly therapy, psychiatrist every four weeks. Yeah. She had her little job at target and you know, life was good for a little while there. And we got through Christmas. She just, I guess maybe, yeah. Like the third week of January target, let her go. So, because she was, like a seasonal employee. Sure. So they let her go, but you know, sometimes it was hard for her to understand, you know, that it wasn't a personal thing. Yeah. You know, she took everything kind of personally and, you know, she actually was here one that, so the night that it, you know, happened, she was here that night and she had a friend over and the girl left around eight o'clock. And this was a girl that she had worked in target with. Mm -hmm. And I guess they were, you know, bashing target and, (laughs) In the, right. in the in the back room, you know, because Emily lost her job, but they were, had bonded over that. And the girl left, and Emily. So it was her stepbrother's birthday. Mm-hmm. His birthday was the week before, but we this was the weekend that we had him. Sure. So I, she says, "Mom, I got him a gift." I said, "Oh, great!" So she brings it brings it out, and it's just a card. So I'm figuring she got him like a gift card or something, and she's laughing hysterically she thinks this this is the best thing ever it is duct taped it's a card and it's duct taped and it's got zip ties around it and she (laughs) he's trying to open it like in the middle of my like family room floor on the on the couch and she goes maybe you should sit on the floor and i was like and if he needs to sit on the floor maybe he should do this in the kitchen where it's going to be easier to clean up and she's like okay let's go to the kitchen he went to the kitchen and you know, he took him literally 15 minutes to open this thing. And when uh. he opened it, it was a dollar filled with glitter. Just one dollar 
wrapped up inside of it was glitter. And so when he opened the door, the glitter went everywhere. <laughs> and she thought that that was the funniest thing on earth. And she, I was like, oh, are you kidding me? Now there's glitter all over my kitchen. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> glitter is a thing that I'm still finding it. <laughs> oh, um, my. So she, uh, there was glitter all over my kitchen. And, you know, he was like a dollar. I worked for 15 minutes for a dollar. Like, and she was like, ah, oh, happy birthday, you know. And uh, yeah. She comes back and she says, Mom, I'm going to go get gas. We were, it was getting ready to snow. Um, So this was a Friday night and um, it was supposed to snow on Sunday. And Uh she just said, I'm going to go get get gas in my car. And I was like, Em, I was like, it's almost nine o'clock. I was like, you don't need to go get gas in your car right now. And she's like, well, I want to go see my friend Tamara anyway. And I was like, okay. I was like, all right. You know, make sure you're home at 11, you know that's the you know the curfew and and she said okay and I said all right have fun and she out the door she went and then I was here with my husband we were watching a movie and about 25 minutes later I get a text and all it says is I love you and I was like yeah so I immediately responded back I love you too but then I'm thinking about it and I'm like a weird text to get from a 17 year old who's supposed to be over at her friend's house yeah and yeah it just was weird and I was like hmm I had had unbeknownst to Emily I had had a GPS put in there because she had sometimes had questionable decisions so I had a GPS put in her car that she didn't know so we we had an app I could always see where she was uh-huh. So when, so I said, oh, let me see where she's at. So I pulled up the GPS and when I looked at the GPS, we have a canal that's relatively close to our house. And I said, huh, looks like that car's in the water. And I said to my husband, I was like, can you pull up the, the bouncy app? And he's like, why? I'm like, I said, I don't know. It looks like Emily's car's in the water. I said, can you pick, pull it up? And he pulls it up and he goes, it's in the same place. I said, let's go. Um, yeah. I said, she just sent me this text that said, I love you. I said, and you know, your mom instincts kick in and uh, we drove over there. So we were actually the third people on scene. It was two cop cars were there mm-hmm. and pulled up and they were trying to shoo us away. And I'm showing them, you know, my G- my phone. I'm like, I have a GPS. My daughter's car is in that canal. And she's like, oh, okay. So they pulled us over and we stood there and they, her car was black and it was literally 18 degrees at night and yeah. it was 9.30 at night and the car, the canal was deep enough that the full car, the whole car submerged. Yeah. And we stood there waiting for them to find her for almost three hours. Oh my word. It was, oh they, I mean, every emergency vehicle, I think in Somerset and Mercer County in New Jersey showed up. They they had a dive team come in. They had to get uh, the state police helicopters to hover over the canal to locate the car in the water. Yeah, they couldn't see it. Right, even with right. flashlights, they couldn't see it. So they had a, a helicopter come in and hover so that they could spot the car. So the dive team would know where to go and try and get her. So you know, standing on the side of the road, you try and always keep hope. And even though I'm standing there and I kept saying to my husband, like, oh my God, 
you know, this is taking too long. And he's like, my husband is a firefighter by uh, profession. So mm -hmm. I could tell he was working and he wasn't really there with me because he, he yeah. I hear, see him listening to them on the radios and I, yeah. you know, he's watching this, the scene, you know, as I'm waiting for my daughter, you know, um, and he's her stepdad. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, so I could see that he was working. So I said to, finally said to him, I said, do me a favor, call. Um, it was actually my um, best friend, Helen. And I said, can you call Helen and just have her come here? Because I need somebody who's going to be here with me. I understand that you're, you know, you're here with me, but you are not here with me. I need somebody here with me. Yeah. Um, emotionally. So he, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he called my friend Helen and she came down and we stood there and waited and watched the dive team go in the water and come back out and go back in the water. And it was terrible. And then. They finally, you know, they put us in a heating tent. They told us it was, it was cold, but their, their heaters weren't working. It was just mm -hmm. a tent so that they could get her out without me. You seeing. Seeing. Yeah. And so then a, a police officer came over and he said, okay, we're going to drive you over to the hospital. We have her. We're going to, we have, gonna, and I said, is she okay? And he says, we're going to drive you to the hospital. And I said, oh, okay. So, you know, my husband and I get in the, police car and they drive us to the hospital and you know we're waiting in the emergency room and i'm just you know i'm pacing and he's like you know relax just have hope you know she's here you know let's yeah, find yeah, you know yeah. let's keep and then a, walk, a chaplain walked out and you just know yeah and he came out and he says are you emily's mother and i said yes and he says I said, is she okay? And he says, I just, he's like, would you like to pray for her? And I said, yes, please. And so he held my hands, which was surprising because this is the middle of COVID. <laughs> um, yeah. And he just held, held my hands and he said, you know, let's just pray for her. And we prayed for Emily. And then um, he says, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go back and see where, where we're at. I said, I just want to see her. And he says, I understand that. He's like, we're, you know, I have to make, I have to check with the doctors. I don't know what's really going on. I said, okay. But in my heart of hearts, I kind of knew, but I was still trying to hold on hope. Well, especially when he came in, I'm sure you thought, oh, she's gone. And then he said, do you want to pray for her? And then you go, oh, maybe she's not. Right, and, right. right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so they brought me back. I think what they did was that I think, honestly, I think they cleared out that side of the emergency room. Um, cause she went mm -hmm. into the children's section. Um, cause when we went in there, there was not one person in maybe 10 rooms around her. Mm -hmm. So we went into like the waiting area of the children's hot emergency room and the lights were all lowered. And I looked at my husband, I looked over at the nurses and not, no one would look up at me. Not one nurse looked up mm -hmm. at me. And I said, to my husband, I said, something, I said, something's really wrong because no one will even look at me. And he said, just, he's like, let's just wait and see what the doctor has to say. And then they called us in and when they called us in, they, they pulled us into a, a room and it just had an empty bed in it. And I said, yeah. oh God. And I just fell to the, the seat and I said, and he said, I'm so sorry. He says, but she's, we she was down too long. We couldn't help her. We couldn't save her. And I said, yeah. okay. And he says, you know, she's here and she's 
we can, you know, you can see her if you want. And I said, absolutely. I said, well, he said, you want to see her now? Or do you want to take, I said, no, I want to see her now. And I went into where they had her and I literally walked in and I held my baby and I said, oh, my poor girl, you aren't being tortured anymore. Yeah. Which should never be a parent's first thought when you see your child like this. But yeah. it was my first thought was, you know, she's a piece for a minute, you know, like, you know, cause her life was not peaceful between yeah. bullying and mental illness. It, you know, life was not peaceful for her. And mm-hmm. um, they allowed us to stay in there for about five hours with her. Wow. And, um, you know, I was able to call her biological dad and he came and his, his sister came to be with him. And that was it. And, you know, like, I guess it was about 530 in the morning. They said, okay, we have to get her ready for the medical examiner to come pick her up. And that was the hardest thing that I ever had to do was walk out of my out of the hospital without my girl. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then so I, you know, came home and my husband went to bed and I couldn't. So I started making phone calls and people started coming over and that's when, you know, it just, I don't can't even, I don't even know if I remember anything after that. Right, right. It just gets foggy, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's, uh, you know, the, you know, the hardest part of all of this was um, Kaylee's got an older sister, you know, biological older sister. She's just turned 22 a couple days ago, but she was living in South Carolina. So she's Mm -hmm. married. Her husband's in the military. So she was in South Carolina. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to tell her. How do you tell, you know? And so I said, um, you know, this was while we were in the emergency room. And I said to my husband, I said, I have to call Kaylee. He says, I'll call her. I said, no, this is something that's got to come from me. Right, right. You know, that she's the only person that I felt like it had to come for me, you know. And um, she, her husband was on a, a training in Texas. So she was home by herself. Oh, so she was alone. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, do I wait? Like, like it's not like I can even get down there to tell her. Like, you know, I was like, I had to tell her. And I was like, you know, she does have a little bit of my personality in her. So I'm like. I'd be pissed off at me if I waited till tomorrow to tell her, you know, so, yeah. So I called her at like one o'clock in the morning and had to tell her. And she was, you know, she was obviously devastated, but Emily had texted her too. So, yeah. So two texts, all they said was, I love you to me and Kaylee. At this point, we still think it, we think it's an accident. Mm-hmm. So That's what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. everything, you know, so we have to go start going through the motions. And so Saturday I talked to the medical examiner and, you know, people were in and out and in and out. And then I had to call the funeral home and arrange that. And so the funeral homes then come in the next day to make the arrangements. And, and then, so sun, Sunday morning we went in, made it, made, we're making the arrangements, but it's COVID. So yeah. Sure. There was really not much to make. Mm-hmm. We were could have it for one day there, you know, not the traditional, like have a week the day before and a funeral. Sure. Sure. So we just had like a visitation 
at the funeral home on um, the following Saturday. But in the meantime, Sunday, it started to snow. Right. And we got three feet of snow between Sunday, oh Monday, and Tuesday. And so I didn't get the traditional. So everyone, a lot of people showed up on Saturday, but then it stopped. So for three days, there was just it was just us. And it was... Because you're in a blizzard. Yep. We're, yeah. And it was... I was like, this is just crazy. Like, it just... I just... You just, it just becomes so unbelievable. I, I, all I said, I kept, I think all I kept saying was, I can't believe this is my life. Like, yes, I can't believe this is my, I still can't believe this is my life, to be honest with no, you. No, I know. Right, right, right. Yep. So, and my husband was out there every two hours. So we had planned her, like a visitation in our driveway in a tent for two days. We did like four to seven on Thursday and Friday. So we had a heated tent. And we set it up like, you know, we put pictures of Emily everywhere and people were able to come with masks on. And, you know, so we, you know, that's how the community kind of came together for us was came by to our driveway tent. And then we had the funeral on uh, Saturday. And during the funeral, we Zoomed it because it was COVID. Right. Mm -hmm. And the Zoom got, so there was... I, we still don't know who it was, but there was kids. I, we don't know, but there was kids who signed on, bullied Emily on her last day. Oh. They, I had a kid who That's signed in as Emmy's effing corpse. I had somebody who oh. signed in as she did as shit. They were screaming. They were yelling terrible things about her driving about how she deserved to die, just terrible, oh. horrible things. Oh, I just can't even imagine. That's so horrible. Thankfully, I did not know this during the, the actual funeral. The funeral service was beautiful to pe- the people that were here. We were limited to 100 people. So 100 people that were there, the funeral service it was beautiful. Was mm-hmm. beautiful. You know, I was able to get up and speak. My daughter spoke. Her father spoke. We had people who just Emily touched had gotten up to say some words. At one point, the funeral director did come in and say, whoever is Zooming, you need to get off the Zoom. Because people who were watching it were calling into the funeral home saying, stop the Zoom. Get, you have to delete this. Get it off. Right, right, right. So they did interrupt it. The, the funeral at one point to say you need to stop zooming, you know, to disconnect from any kind of the zoom that you might be on. And so we stopped the zoom and unfortunately a lot of family, a lot of friends that were, you know, from actually Emily's yeah. half Costa Rican, her, her father's family's in Costa Rica. They couldn't come here. So right. they all signed into a the zoom and had to watch that and then never got to see the, actual funeral mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the school had actually um started a an investigation into the bullying i guess on the zoom we went to the police and so it has been escalated to the new jersey state police but we don't know where it's at at this point yeah it's with the cyber crimes unit but how, who knows if anything will ever come of that or we'll ever be able to find out who did this just so, so tragic to just make, you know, your pain just worse. It's just, that's what it felt like. It just, they're like, won't this stop? Yeah. Why, you know, every, I just felt like 
she died and everything just went wrong going forward. Like, yeah, it started to snow three feet. We haven't had three feet of snow in seven, eight years. <laughs> like, right. Right. <laughs> I'm like, you know, this, she dies. We had three feet of snow. Now it's like my husband was out there snow blowing my driveway every two hours incessantly for three days, <laughs> like through the night because right. <laughs> he didn't want any snow to be on the driveway at all so that, you know, nobody would slip or fall if they were kind right. So it just was one thing after another. And then I was like, are you kidding me? Like, how does this all happen to one family? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You do really feel like you're under attack then. Right. Don't you? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, struggling going forward, like I, you know, I, well, I was angry with God. I was yeah. angry that how could you make this child suffer so much while she was here? And then it's gone where she just suffers in, you know, in death. Like it just feels, I felt like life was so unfair to her. Yeah. I really struggled with that. And then, you know, in the back of my mind, I kind of always knew that maybe it, it would have, it would have was suicide, but you know, everyone was saying, no, it was just an accident. We think it was just an accident. And so after the police investigated it, they did actually figure out that it was suicide um, because of the GPS that I had on her car. So uh, she had actually pulled up outside of the water and sat there for a minute and 11 seconds and they believe that's when she texted me and Kaylee. Yeah. And then she drove in. And then she waited three and a half minutes before she actually called 911 for herself. Yeah. So she did call 911. She herself. called 911. That's how the police were there by the time we got there. Mm. So she had called 911. And, you know, it just, uh, it was too late. So that's so. She, did she tell them then she was in the water, or did it not go she through? With- no, no, went through, and they had contact with her. They said they they lost contact with her, which is, I guess, when the water, the car filled up water with level. water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she never said anything, to my knowledge, as far as the police told me that they investigated it. I, you know, I, I never listened to the nine one one call. Right, right. I probably shouldn't ever listen to that 911 call, but... <laughs> probably not, no. <laughs> they said that she didn't indicate that it was a suicide attempt, but mm-hmm. who knows? You know, I'm sure she was panicked and, you know, it, it was 18 degrees, so I'm sure that that cold water was cold and, you know, yeah. so I'm sure she was just panic-stricken and, you know, I mean, how do I get out of the, you know? Right, right, right. So, because right. I, I believe, you know, my belief is that it was a very impulsive decision. Sure. I don't think mm-hmm. it was a planned out thing. I think um, she had went to go see her friend Tamar that night and he said, oh, I can't hang out tonight. We'll hang out tomorrow. And I think she just made a very impulsive decision, which is a side effect of being bipolar is that yeah. lack of impulse control. And a side effect of being a teenager. Right. Right. Right? Exactly. I mean, you are not the first person I've talked to that had a teenager make an impulsive decision. This is just one that obviously she could not take back. Right. Right. So so I got that phone call on my birthday in April. On your birthday? On my birthday. Okay. (laughs) I was like, 
but you know, I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it was Emmy giving me a gift because I was struggling. I was struggling with being mad at God. And, and when they, they told me that it was suicide and they confirmed that it was suicide. Cause I kind of went back and forth. Like, did she do this? Yeah. Herself? Did she not? It was this really just a tragic accident. I, you know, I was really struggling. I'm sure. Cause you thought about the, I love you texts and yeah. all of that. Was that just chance that she did that ahead of door? Not right. chance. Right. And so on my birthday, the police called me and said, we need to speak to you. So we went in and um, that's when, they let us know that they believe it was suicide. And it honestly, it took the anger away from God for me. I was able now to lean into God rather than be angry at him because. Yeah. So that is a gift, isn't it? This was her decision. That is a gift. With that, that's how I feel. It was, I feel it was a gift. I think it was a gift from Emmy. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. So I wasn't struggling between going back and forth anymore. Almost like she said, don't be mad at God anymore. Right. Don't feel mad at me, but don't right. be mad at God. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. No, I could never be mad at her, but. <laughs> <laughs> right, but she was one. I mean, it was almost like she wanted to, she wanted to take it off. Right. Take it off of right. where you were putting it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so that was my, it was my birthday in April. And then she was set to graduate college, uh, college high school. High school. In mm-hmm. June. I told the school because she was a special ed student. I fought for that kid's IEP every year since she kindergarten. So I was like, I, yes, is she going to graduate? And they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll get her a diploma. I said, okay, then I'm coming to graduation. And they were like, yeah. really? And I was like, yeah, I'm coming. I'm going to make sure that this kid gets this diploma. Right. Right. Cause it was a lot of work. For it was her. a lot of work for her. And thinking about the, trials that she went through going to school at times and what a struggle that was and yet she just showed up anyway right right. you want to celebrate that exactly Mm -hmm. so you know me and my family all got dressed up and we went to graduation and I mean I she was cremated so I have a a bear that has some of her ashes in it Mm -hmm. and uh, I brought my bear and we went and when it came time, they called her name. They never mentioned that she died. I walked across the stage <sighs> and the board president said to me, congratulations, Emily. I was like, not for nothing, but I'm pretty sure I don't look 17. And nor yeah. am I wearing a cap and gown and I'm carrying a teddy bear. <laughs> yeah. Like, read the room. <laughs> right. Oh, my word. The high school principal professed about how they lost this. This was a, you know, this class, they made it to graduation. You know, they lost so much. They lost two proms. They lost a senior dinner cruise. They lost, you know, the school experience for their senior year. And they lost normalcy. He never met, he never even mentioned Emily, never mentioned that they lost a classmate. Never mentioned he lost a classmate. And I, it's just so horrible to me. I just, my heart just breaks for you. I was devastated because, yeah. and I've got my daughter sitting next to me and my husband and my ex-husband were all sitting there together. And, and, you know, we kept waiting and I kept saying, right, right. Cause you think they're going to mention it. They're going to mention at it. At some point they're going to mention her. 
at some point they're going to have, you know, something. And the graduation ended. And I just looked at them. I was like, they never even mentioned her. So I literally was like walking out of the blindly walking out of the stadium. Cause we have it in a stadium down in Trenton. And I'm like, just in shock. Right. I was like, I cannot believe that they knew I was coming. They saved seats right. for us in the front row. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't even mention her. I mean, they didn't, I mean, it was so poorly coordinated that there was, so they told me, so somebody came and got me and told me which two kids to get between. Right. They ever mentioned those two kids, that there's going to be this 47 year old lady coming in between you two to go up on stage. I'm like fighting with a senior to get in front of her because she's just, oh no, I'm after Tyler. I'm like, no, I have to go accept my daughter's diploma. She's like, what? Like, I was like, do I really need to be doing this right now? (laughs) It was just so poorly coordinated. Like I said, it it was, the whole thing was just a whole, it was just terrible. It was terrible. Yeah. 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 They just forgot her. So I got mad at the board of ed. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I wrote a letter that was actually shared, actually went pretty viral. Yeah. You sent that to me. I did. I read it. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. It was powerful. Yeah. Because I was angry. You know, how do you do this to a family? You, you know, it's like kicking somebody when they're down. Right. You know, I mean, you knew I was going to be there. It wasn't a surprise that the family showed up. Especially because they already knew about the cyberbullying from the Zoom and the funeral and all right. of that stuff. So you'd have thought they would have been a little extra bit more careful sensitive. with you. Yeah, yeah like yeah. more so as opposed to less. That right. makes no sense to me right. at all. Right. So it just yeah. was one thing after another. But <laughs> Did you receive a response back? I an did. apology back from them? I, all, they did, yeah, they did post an, a public apology to the newspaper. Uh-huh. And did they call you too? I hope they did something personal. The superintendent did call me. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm so sorry. He really didn't have anything to do with the planning of the graduation. He right. was there, but he didn't he just and he made his own speech, but he didn't really have any anything to do with the planning. The planning really was the pr- high school principals job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he did call me, but nobody re- uh, so I had sent that letter before I put it posted it to the newspaper. I had sent you that sent letter to them, to them mm-hmm. and nobody responded. Yeah. Uh, so that's when I posted it to the newspaper and that's when I that's when he started calling me. I was like, well, oh now he wants to call it. Now he wants to clear his name because it's out there. Yeah, right. But before but before when you were trying to do it quietly because you did try to do it right, quietly. Right. Mm-hmm. They no response. Okay, so now I I put it out there, and I had a lot of bo- mom mad mama bears <laughs> reach out to me yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. about how terrible this was, and they did apologize. But I mean, what are they? There's nothing you yeah, can do. We can't redo it. No, you know, just can't no. can't be redone. And yeah, that's Emmy. <laughs> that's my Emmy. So oh. she uh, she was a great kid, and I you know. Now I'm involved in anti-bullying campaigns mm-hmm. and I did, I am working with the, the school district to do an anti-bullying campaign where I go into the schools and I'm connected with uh, another, another mother who um, 
in New Jersey who has lost her daughter to suicide at 12. Oh. That was about four years ago. So it's Mallory's Army is, is her page. Mm-hmm. So her and I are going to start working, hopefully start working together to really get that. Uh, you know, kids have got to be nicer. It's got to be nicer. You don't know. got to be nicer. You don't know what you're doing to other people. Like you don't know what they've already got on their plate. That that one unkind thing is gonna send it them knocking. You know, send it knocking to the ground. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think especially it's especially bad recently with yeah. the pandemic and all yeah. of the stuff. I've I've never seen so much anxiety and depression in teens as I have this last year plus now. Yeah, it's it's just. It's heartbreaking. Profound and so sad. Yeah. And I know it's been such a struggle for me. I mean, I've had I've had patients that have tried to die by suicide in the right. last oh, eight months to a year now. And I it just breaks my heart so much just because I've lived the loss, right? And right. so then I look at the you mom the other, and I yeah. think I so desperately don't want you to be me. Exactly. And I look at these kids and, oh, man, you, you just, they just don't know. Right. You just, just, just hang on. Just hang on. Until you get through this. Yeah, I had a girl just very matter-of-factly tell me a few weeks ago. So she had been really low and I... I don't I think she had been in for suicide attempt or at least suicide ideation like mm-hmm. really bad and and she just matter-of-factly said well I'm not going to get that bad again because if I get that bad I'm just going to kill myself she just said that to me and then her mom started crying and she looked at her mom she said why are you crying and I looked at her and I was like because you just told her you were going to kill yourself right if things got that bad again right. it's they the teens just they don't have that kind of foresight to think about that in right. some ways. Right. Because to her, it seemed like that was a logical decision that if things, if her feelings got that low again, right, she didn't want to do that. Right. But because they can't, they don't see past. They don't see. Right. Right. Oh, it's just so hard. It is. And then I think they, so then on the other side, the ones that are like doing the crazy kind of bullying too, they don't think about those consequences. Nope. They don't think nope. that what I say could really hurt someone. I mean, right. what were they thinking when they went on a Zoom funeral? What were they thinking? Right. What good could come of that? Exactly. At all. Exactly. You're just devastating, already devastated people. Right. Like, right. Ugh. And that's what I'm like, these kids, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with that feeling of power that they have behind a screen. Yeah. Where, because I'm pretty sure that they probably wouldn't have shown up in person to do this. No, no, none of them would have wanted to. to, You know what I mean? It's the power that they feel like they they have behind a screen. Mm -hmm. With bullying, too. Yeah, right. I think probably 75% of bullying could be if they weren't behind a screen it wouldn't happen because yeah. i think most kids are kind of afraid to do it in person yeah you know you do have those few that are have no don't don't really care but you know i think most kids are would be afraid to do it in person say it to your face yeah yeah that's part of the biggest message I want to get out there is like, especially to parents, like you got to monitor what your kids are doing. I, I get, I know phones are an, 
a necessary evil at this point. Yeah. But we got to do something to not, I don't know. I don't know where it's, but it's got to start with the parents. The parents have to make sure that these kids are. I think there just ends up being so much low self-esteem in general. And so because you look on Instagram and all of these different social media platforms and everyone looks happy. Yeah. You know, they doctor up the pictures so everyone looks beautiful and everyone looks happy. And right. so then all of the kids, okay, the the bullied kids, the kids who end up bullying, all the kids look at the pictures of everyone else. Right. And they think, wow, they're way happier, they're way prettier, they're way everything than me. I'm right. feeling bad about myself. How can I feel better? Right. And a lot of times what they do is, well, I can feel better by making somebody else look bad. Right. And so then they end up pushing buttons and saying things and making comments. Right. And, and then even sometimes kids will do self-depreciating things like say bad things about themselves so that everyone else will end up saying wonderful things about them right to make them feel better it's just this weird kind of thing that people aren't being really genuine and real right that authenticity is gone yeah there's no authenticity at all you just can't believe what's there and and i think that's a big problem you know i talked about kids the other day just yesterday I talked to a teenager about lying about right. how it just it just gets to be such a habit you just lie right. all the time and right. you lie to not get in trouble and you lie to right. you lie to cover up the lie and <laughs> you just lie and lie and lie and nothing's real and it just it doesn't even seem like a big deal anymore right. and then you don't have anybody's trust and right just that realness and authenticity and truth Right. I mean, just be truthful. Right. You know? Right. Ugh, so sad. I'm so sorry. The message needs to get out there somehow, some way that these kids, you know, you know, just be kind. Or if you can't be kind, like, just leave that the per- people who are different alone. Yeah. Right. Just leave them alone. Right. Mm-hmm. We can preach, be kind, be kind, be kind. And yeah, that's all great. And I hope that everyone has it in them to do it. But if you don't, yeah, just leave them alone. You know what I mean? Shut up, please. Right. <laughs> just leave them alone, you know? because It goes with the old adage, if you don't have anything nice to say, say don't, don't say, say anything, anything at all. At all. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Which seems to have been lost. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. Well, I'm so glad to have had you on today because... Really, what I wanted to do is I wanted to give you a chance to celebrate Emily, to celebrate Emmy and just her as a great kid, because that's what she was. And she's an awesome human being and has a lot to offer and still can teach people a lot as you're working on the anti-bullying. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing. I'm getting her. Yeah. You are paying it forward. and. And yeah, can you talk a little bit more about this pay it forward in just a couple minutes here? We just created a card with Emmy's story on it. You know, it's got on one side, it's got a picture painting that, you know, a picture that she drew. And on the mm-hmm. other side, it's got her story. And we created a Facebook page called Emmy's Champions. Yeah. We have everybody wearing blue today. I have my blue one. <laughs> oh, I'm wearing blue too. And, and so do you. Have- I did notice that. I was like, oh, she's got blue one. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I knew there was a reason I chose the shirt today. (laughs) 
So uh, we have everybody wearing blue today and because it's her birthday and we're kicking off the pay it forward campaign. We just want this card to make it from one person to the next person. Just do something kind. It doesn't have to be monetarily. It could be that you helped an, a, an, a little lady cross the street and hand her that card. And, you know, if she wants to give her mailman, you know, uh, a drink of water, give him that card and just pay it forward. You know, you want to buy somebody's Starbucks, leave, you know, buy, buy their Starbucks, leave the card and give it to that next person. So the next person knows to do the same thing. Oh, that's just beautiful. So we're going to hopefully that'll make this world a little bit of a kinder place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at least in my community. <laughs> Yeah, and that's all we can do is right. just a little bit at a time. So right. as this airs, I'm looking now on September 2nd. We'll see how far you've come. Yes, yes, hopefully. <laughs> Log on well, to thank you so we'll go much. like Emily, Emmy's Champions page and we'll see. Uh, yeah, have, go I like Emmy's Champions page. Stuff, so maybe so. you'll have another little boost yeah. in like three or four weeks. Yeah, so yeah, that'll perfect. be beautiful. Perfect. Okay. Bye-bye. Right. Thank you, Marcy. Mm-hmm. Take care. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.